0: Hello, Future Foodcast listeners. We're so glad that you've joined us for the, another episode of our podcast. I'm Pam Lyne-Miller, your interviewer for today, and I'm so excited to interview Megan Hurley. She is the VP of Marketing for Farmer's Fridge And comes with a wealth of knowledge and so much great information that I think you're really going to enjoy hearing about today. Welcome to our podcast, Megan. Thank Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are. We are thrilled to have you. Uh, Well, let's start, first of all, with a little bit about you and and how you've ended up where you are and and exactly where that is. If you give us a little bit of uh, trajectory.
1: Sure. Um so I I grew up in the food, my dad's in the food business. Um I'm based out of Chicago and so always have been interested in the food world as I feel like most people probably are. Um but really wanted to to follow that as a career and so actually started um in fine art insurance, which was not um was very exciting but not actually what I wanted to do and so quickly moved into Whole Foods Market in their marketing department, and then just loved it um, and loved the entrepreneurial spirit of Whole Foods at the time. Um, And so moved through Whole Foods, Starbucks, Pete's Coffee, McCain Foods. I've hit all the foods until I got to Nordstrom, where I learned, I worked with Trunk Club, learned a lot about e-commerce. And now I am at Farmer's Fridge. And so we're based out of Chicago. um, And we've been here for seven years, founded here and are now expanding across the nation you've worked with some really iconic brands and I'm sure you bring a lot
0: of that experience to what you're doing at Farmer's Fridge, Uh, maybe wearing a lot of hats since it's a younger company. Yeah. Just guessing. (laughs) Well, well, uh, very interesting. The the initial mission of Farmer's Fridge was really not out in front of the consumer necessarily, but uh, in
1: stocking fridges. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So It was really about making food accessible, healthy food accessible. So Luke, our founder and CEO, was on the road in the Midwest a lot for a sales job, and he just couldn't find healthy options and just wasn't feeling really good about what he was eating. Um, And so he really wanted to find out how to make healthy food accessible in a way where you didn't have to have, you know, you, you don't have to have an entire restaurant. And so he came up with the vending machine for accessibility, but the other part of being accessible is also price. The real impact of Farmers Fridge and what we really work on is the supply chain piece. So from end to end, how can we control everything as much as possible, predict exactly what customers are going to want so that we keep our costs and waste really low so that we can keep fresh food accessible and continue on that path to to making it more accessible um, as we grow.
0: Yeah. Now, where are the? What's the placement
1: of these fridges? What's your? Where's your target for those? Yeah. So we are um, currently on each coast. So we're nationwide, um, and we really focus on hospitals, airports, and colleges. Um, before COVID, we were in a lot of uh, offices and office buildings. Um, so as you could probably expect, that business is not as strong right now. Um, but really, it's it's uh, where I first had um, farmers' fridge was actually in a mall, um, and and then visited it plenty when I was having my kids at Northwestern Hospital, and and there. So it's really hospitals and air, airports is really our our bread and butter, um, and and I think it's honestly as. As far as the brand goes, a huge opportunity for us just to build the brand because it sees so many customers every day.
0: Well, as you know, I think we passed each other in Orlando last you month did. as we talked before. And uh, so we've been in airports recently and they're pretty packed. They're, uh, yeah. I think, recovered from the pandemic. Would you
1: agree? Oh, absolutely. And as as everybody is dealing with staffing issues, airports are as well. And so we're actually a really great, I was in Orlando for the airport experience conference, by the way. Um, and it just seemed like everybody was, it was so excited, um, but they're dealing with the same issue, which is they're not, they can't fully staff and run all of these restaurants, um, but there's tons of travelers and then tons of hungry travelers. And so we, that is why our airport business has been exploding in the last year, because we're just solving such a need um, as these airports ramp a lot quicker than you can ramp a brick and mortar business.
0: Yeah. And that's really good to hear because everybody's talking about the issues with staffing, especially in the food industry with being able to get good quality workers. And you're solving that problem with with your solution, which was thought of long before there was this staffing issue, but uh, it just helps to leverage. Uh, And plus your target market is right there, right? You're looking for that busy traveler like your founder who wants something good to eat and, you know, in a hurry.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Like, I remember when I first started traveling for work and I would give myself the treat of like Sour Patch Kids and all the coffee I could possibly consume. But as you like, I don't know if it's aging or as you travel more, that just doesn't feel good. Um, And you start to realize like, maybe I would feel better if I just ate a little bit better on these trips. And so, um, so many of our, our customers are business travelers or they are um, airline employees. There's just so many flight attendants and pilots that are our biggest fans. um, And we, we appreciate, Appreciate their feedback and just how much they brag to the other airports because it really helps us in building our our markets.
0: Of course, that that word of mouth, viral spreading of of the word, I tried this. You need to try this yeah. too. Nothing's better than that because that's how I'm, that's a testimonial wrapped in an advertisement. Yeah, and our
1: jars fit perfectly like on their cases, so it's just like I always see our little jars traveling around O'Hare, and I'm just like a proud parent, like as a brand person, I'm like there he goes. Well, um,
0: and kudos. You on the marketing piece and figuring out what you're people need and and finding something that will fit with what they're already doing. Uh, What, what, explain the jar to our audience who might not be familiar with that and why that's such a key thing.
1: Yeah. So it's it's similar how you would do a Mason jar salad at home. Um, And, you know, we layer all of our ingredients in a, but it it is a plastic jar. So um, if you're in manufacturing, you know how hard it is to manufacture with glass. Um, So we are in plastic jars um, and we layer our salads in a way that makes sure um nothing goes soggy or bad too quickly and then the dressing is kept separate or anything that's meant to be crunchy is kept separate and we we nest cups at the top and so it all you you know unpack open the jar and you dump in as much dressing you want you can shake it right there or you can and there's a lot of different versions of how people like to take their farmer's fridge. Um, I personally like to shake everything in the jar and then dump it out in a bowl or one of our containers that actually we have little boats that come on a lot of the fridges or you could eat it right out of the jar um, and then a lot of our fridges take uh, jars back so we will recycle them. Um, you can just put it at the bottom of the, the fridge and we take all of that back with us when we restock the fridge.
0: Oh, I like the recycling idea. I didn't yeah. know that so I'm going to yeah. have to be sure to <laughs> return my jar back <laughs> when yeah. I have my farmer's fridge salad. I think for an advertising campaign, you could have different kinds of shaking. Like
1: how do you mix your salad, you know, and have-
0: um, I agree,
1: (laughs) yes. I have, I've tried to talk like people are, um, now that we're back in the office too, are, we have a stocked kitchen. And so people will go in there and everybody has their own little topping in addition, like a cheese it that they add on top. And I was like, I feel like I want to know all of the versions. I need to try like the chicken Caesar with a cheese it crunch on top. Um, so I agree. I think we should, I definitely think we should do some social posts around that. Absolutely.
0: Now the pandemic kind of threw a wrench in the works, at least initially you thought it through a, a wrench in the works because your okay. traditional model courts were shut down. People weren't in offices anymore. The hospitals, nobody could visit. Yep. And how did you react to that? What, what happened there at Farmers? Yes.
1: Pool? So we lost, I still remember it was right before that Friday, March 13th. So the, like the 12th and we were all going home and a lot of our business in New York was just shutting down. And so Chicago hit a little bit later, um, like a, a week or two later, but you just saw all the business just go um, so we lost about 80 percent of our business within two weeks and because we are um you know we are still in startup mode we are funded um it gets really scary because you're running through cash um, that you had planned to spend a different way and so we very quickly because we are vertically integrated integrated we're able to launch delivery um i think a lot of our a lot of people in the food space were able to do something similar but for us what we did was we used our vans that were stocking the fridge at night we stock all of our fridges overnight and we use them during the day and so we started delivering to people's homes we popped up a site on shopify which is a, a lovely partner um, thank God for them the last two years I think a lot of people have been very um, lucky to have such a, such a great platform as shopify and so we launched our products and delivery and started doing um, our own delivery network in Chicago and New York which honestly saved me because at the time if you remember you couldn't get fresh foods at the grocery store and so I it was like I ordered all of our food from farmer's fridge, even for my kids, because we're stuck at home and, and not eating vegetables or fruit because um, you couldn't find it. And so we we were able to launch by I think it was like the first week of April. Um, So two weeks at home. And because thank God for my background at Trunk Club and and understanding uh, e-com, I was able to get on Facebook and and just start buying ads. The first customers were probably all of us. Um, But after that, like the customers I didn't know, and I was like, I don't recognize this name. It's not my mom and dad. Once those started to hit, I was like, maybe we have something and these people are definitely in a need. And then we started doing research um, and just asking people what they were using us for and seeing if this was a legit business. So many people were working from home and they were happy to have farmer's fridge as a solution in their, in their home fridge, similar to the solution that we provided while they were in their office. It was something they didn't have to think about and they can go back to working. And a lot of us were homeschooling. And so we were able to provide something for people that, that at the time is just like, we were all underwater. And so as the business started to grow, that was the first time, at least for us, where we started to see that like people were attached to our jar as a brand. Like we're so obsessed with the fridge and the fridge is our baby. And we all talk about specific fridges. Like they are, humans and have personality, Um, but people love our jars. And so then we started to realize like the jar is the experience, the salad is the experience, you know, all these supply chain folks are kind of moving out and saying like, oh my gosh, there's consumers on the other side. And so that was when we also started to see a lot of retail and wholesale partners come to talk about just carrying our jars. And so we worked with a lot of hospitals in New York about stocking them for wholesale accounts, um, especially because they weren't moving, doctors and nurses weren't moving between floors. And so we could provide them with a solution that was there. It was really all of a sudden we went from fridge business to delivery business and then the wholesale and retail business within like a matter of two months.
0: That's such an agile platform for you to be able to do all of those verticals in such a short amount of time. First of all, from mid-March to be able to turn around and flip your trucks. To working during the day, doing more residential type deliveries, and and how did what did, what were your drivers thinking about that? Because they are used to like overnight income, yes. uh, yes. delivering to a refrigerator.
1: Now they have to talk to people. How right, and they don't talk to anyone. They knew like three security guards, and as a marketer, you're just like, oh gosh, they have to like go out in the world. And they loved it. So we, we branded all our vans, which was very exciting. And we branded, uh, everybody got branded gear because before you just wanted to be a white van that was dropping off stuff in you know um, the back of a building and not be branded. And so now we're out and about and people see us on the road or see us pulling up into their home. And so you wanted to make sure that it was clearly the farmer's fridge brand. And so we got to rebrand our our vans. And then everybody, the gear, everybody, I mean, I, I still wear the gear, which is, is fun. Um, And then we, we had to rebrand our bags as well. Cause we were just dropping things off in these like, like paper bags. It just looked so crusty. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. But what really was so surprising to me was just how excited all of our drivers were to like, to provide wonderful customer service. And we started to see all this stuff on social that was like, Oh, my driver, so-and-so stopped by again to drop. Cause it, it was, people getting repetitive orders, repeat orders. And it was just this, it was like just a nice heartwarming moment to be part of something. It was like, we were providing this service and and for people in this business, but our drivers also got to be part of this world that was so isolating and it was just really nice. And I feel like we got to tell a lot of fun stories coming out of that.
0: And that really tells a story about also your employee engagement for the drivers to be able to, that's a win, win, win. You as a company were able to figure out how to add on some additional verticals to be able to continue to operate, even though you had been over here and, and also providing a valuable service. I didn't realize about hospitals. They initially, everything was locked down. So even the workers, the physicians and nurses weren't going between floors and to be able to provide them with food, they couldn't just wander through the hospital to go to the cafeteria, which is always in the nether regions of the hospitals. Place somewhere really far away. It seems yeah. like to me anyway. Uh, and then also your, your drivers to be able to, to feel like they're really helping and, and you're all working as a team. Everybody stepped up pivots an overused word these days, but change what they were doing in the yeah. service of the company and other people and just kind of the greater good. It sounds like it was yeah. a little bit of a humanitarian effort and, and that connection was made. Oh, what a great, that's a great story. You can you're VP of marketing, I'm sure. You're marketing. Well, it,
1: yeah, it was great. We also had, um, I don't want to like not acknowledge our investors, but we also had investors ha- who had funds to give to COVID relief. Um, and they used it to buy food at cost from us so that we can then donate to all these um, local hospitals, which was also great because you're, for us, you're keeping. Our team's employed, which was mm-hmm. our biggest worry through all of that time. Um, but then you're also providing all of this food. So it was a double win um, and wonderful stories. And just the amount of ownership that everybody felt over our business at the time, I think, was Just something that I I definitely benefited from as a marketer, um, but just something that you don't really forget. It was, it was pretty wonderful.
0: Yeah. I think you probably have a pretty low turnover at your company as a result of the teamwork that happened over the past couple of years, year to year and a half to two years, Uh, unfortunately moving on to two years, but you know, things are improving, but as a result, what have you learned? You, you've learned you can do all these things, but what decisions have you made? Are you staying in all of these verticals? Yeah. So
1: we are staying in all the verticals, um, and what we've learned is our our fridge is definitely our, our baby, and so that is where we really want to expand. Wholesale and retail are, are wonderful as far as you know. We're on shelf at Target in the Northeast and in the Midwest, which is just a wonderful brand to be a partner with. We also um, are in Jewel. Osco in the Midwest, which is um, Albertsons here, it is just great to have that diversity in our channel mix, because we don't want what happened two marches ago to happen again. And so right now, we're able to use delivery. So Like say when Omicron hit, fridges started to go down a little bit and we were able to, and people were going home. So you're able to to spend a little bit more in delivery um, and make up for any revenue gaps. And so it makes our growth really consistent, which is very helpful when you are making all the food and you need to ramp operations and you need to ramp the full supply chain. And so delivery has allowed us to be much more controlled over that growth then we could have been in in just fridgeland and so that that omnichannel um, learning I want to say I guess we went through is just was really strong and something that we value very much right now as we look at how we're growing across across a nation and and so trying to even do that in regional areas is like where where are our biggest delivery customers there's like a ton in Texas, there's a couple airports in Texas couple of really great food retailers in Texas and so that we're looking you know to really expand pretty aggressively there one day. So that's kind of how we we are looking at our growth as well.
0: Exciting. Now your delivery drivers are they doing both the wholesale and the residential still
1: now that- we have now that we we expanded delivery, I think 44 states. Um, it keeps changing because UPS and FedEx keep changing their zip codes. but we now use uh, third party logistics. so we're in 3PL. Um, And we ship boxes across the nation to all these different states is a more um, controlled experience than we had when we were owned. So in owned, it was like you could order as much food as you needed. It was delivered when you wanted. And so it's a little bit different, but it also allows our food to get to a lot of different places. And so we don't have to worry so much about making sure that we, we are managing a driver's route as we were before we owned delivery. So now we do 3PL for delivery um, and we have pivoted the drivers into wholesale and retail. So they're still out during the day and we're trying to make sure that we're using our vans because another part of supply chain is there's no vans or trucks available. And so making sure that we're using them during the day, for retailer wholesale drops, and at night for fridge or anything else that is stocked overnight, and then moving delivery into three PL, um, so that we just kind of can manage that growth as we as we need or see fit. That's really exciting
0: for you to be able to to leverage what you do best, and then you know, you're you're hiring other companies to do what they do best, and yep. everybody wins because you can still play in that sandbox, but at the same time you can really focus on your core uh, stocking the fridges and and having the more commercial locations yep. and keeping uh, the wholesale clients going. Yep. Uh, well, what's on what's on the horizon for you from a marketing perspective? What is Farmer's Fridge looking at? Uh, anything fun, innovative, different?
1: What, what thoughts are oh, there? Gosh. Those are such good questions. Uh, fun, innovative, and different. Um, we are, as marketers, we are so excited. The world is opening a bit because we, you know, most people in marketing a little outgoing. So we are very excited to get back into events um, and and just see people. And we have some really, so we work at the beginning of the pandemic, we started working with chefs and it was this program that was really meant to support restaurants. And so it was really, we're all foodies. Chicago's a foodie city. We really wanted to go to these restaurants and we were missing all of the the restaurants and supporting them. And so we started working with a bunch of different chefs who would make like farmer's fridge friendly items or what they were making at home. And and then we would sell them and the portions go back to their charity of choice. And so we're still continuing that program this year. And we have some really, my team will kill me. So I'm not going to tell you, but we have some really big names coming up, which I'm very excited about. And then just the expansion. I mean, we're on the West coast. Um, We're in LA, we're in San Diego. I I think we're all fighting on who gets to go to California. We just opened in DC, um, which has been one of, when I used to work for Pete's Coffee, it was one of my favorite cities to um, explore and expand to. So I'm so excited to be there. Um, Boston as well. I just, that, all of that stuff, and I think just traditional marketing in those areas actually is really what we're excited about. On the innovative side, we're working really hard. As I had mentioned, we were... fridge-focused business. And so, so many people have talked about the fridge. We know everything, you know, the guts of the fridge. We don't really talk about the customer. Um, And so we've really been driving and building an entire customer tech or marketing tech, however you want to say it, um, initiative. And so we're starting to really figure out how to best engage with our customers, how they want to be communicated with, what's their feedback on our product. Um, We base a lot on sales, but it's just like not, you know, we just started insights, all of these things things that I think will pull us a little bit out of supply chain fridge world and into really understanding um, customers so that the end product is exactly um, what it needs to be. And so I'm pretty psyched about all of that work. Yeah. And I bet your customers are pretty excited about about that as well.
0: And and the fact that you, you know, we, we want to know that you care what we think as consumers and it's really important, you know, sometimes People say, I don't want to take this survey, but if they do take the survey, I mean, it's their opportunity for their voice to be heard. If they have a a product that they like or that they don't like, Uh, I like to answer surveys positively too. I don't, I don't only answer the ones where I have an issue of some sort. I I think you need the positive feedback as well to be able to
1: uh, serve your customers well. You're completely right. We do. um, We actually moderate everybody on the marketing team has to moderate for a week. And so I am I moderated a couple of weeks ago and it's very scary because you're like, well, oh, it's actual customers. I have to talk to them. Megan, what does it mean to moderate? I'll pause you for a second there and ask you to explain that to our users. Yeah. So we ask our customers for product reviews and experience reviews. It's great to get a five star uh and you're just you, you know, let it go on the website. But there's sometimes we get some pretty rough feedback. I, you know, you want to make sure everybody is heard, but you'll also start to see some consistencies in feedback. Like our fridges, we've been getting a ton of feedback that our fridges are not stocked fully. And that's because the world is opening and we're ramping back up. So all of our stocking is based off an algorithm based on, you know, all the daily sales. Well, if the next day sales are going up 10%, we're not necessarily ready for that. And so that is really what we were hearing so much of that feedback and really then started an internal conversation about how do we get out in front of that so that we aren't constantly missing like a day behind in our in our planning. So for me as a VP of marketing reading all the customer reviews, I was able to see something that we we see a little bit of, but really put, you know, a name to exactly what was happening. And it just really changes the way you look at your work and and how you address things and how you respond to what's happening. You really need to think about it from a customer's point of view. And so that was really what was so important. And as a team, we switch off every week. Okay.
0: Well, and those trends are not just happening with your business in the food space. Those trends are happening across the board. So those conversations are probably going on in lots of different places and and trying to get ahead of it. But in your particular case, because you do serve fresh food, your lead times are shorter. It's not like you have a shelf-stable Box of something that yeah. that you need. You have months of shelf lead time on. You don't. Yes. You have smaller windows. We so have it's- smaller
1: windows. Yes, and like that. Whatever happens to the product, like if there's anything happening with all the fresh product, that adjusts everything. And so, how flexible we have to be across the board from you know when something is growing to the end customer product. It's it's just. It's insane to watch, to be honest.
0: Well, and you talked about supply chain. You're really talking about, you know, from your manufacturing and putting together what you have to getting it to the end consumer, whether that be through the fridge or wholesale or retail. But the backside of that supply chain is you're relying on some sourcing that you don't really have control over, right? right? You've got natural grown foods, different environmental factors can affect and you have to be able to react? Yeah, we,
1: um, when every year we deal with California fires, that's a a big thing that definitely impacts all all the, you know, one of the biggest growing regions in the country. And so, so we deal with that. If there's any issues in the um, Midwest, we, we really try to source from the Midwest when we can. So during our, our growing regions, but if there's issues with drought or, or some other issues that we've, we've dealt with, the product isn't, Either isn't there, or isn't of the quality where you could put it in a salad and it'll it'll have a longer shelf life. We've had issues with like peaches, for example, where the salad just doesn't last beyond a day, and and we need it to last a little bit longer than that. So we are constantly dealing with that. But there's other things like the size of a strawberry, and so we use so much. There's a lot of machines we can't use because we want to make sure that everything is hand cut and to make the experience better, and so that is, there's just a lot of management across um, the entire board that goes into each product.
0: Well, the consistent theme that I'm hearing throughout our time together today is that you at Farmer's Fridge as a team really care about your product and about how the consumer is receiving that product. That is a great thing to hear. We love that. It's not all about, it is about the profit margins and being able to sustain yourself as a company, but it's not all about that you know, if you're serving your customer first, those are the things are going to come.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And as you mentioned earlier, I've worked with some really great brands and I love when people want to talk to me about where I work. And I and they just have stories, good or bad, or feedback. Like I just, it means so much to be a brand that people feel that they're part of or that they own. And it, Farmer's Fridge is starting to gain that traction and it just feels great. And, it, and that that feedback and that connection means so much to us, especially on the marketing team. Um, and so it, it does feel like something special that we're building.
0: Well, before we leave our, our interview today, is there anything else you'd like for our audience to know about Farmer's Fridge or about you or about your team or
1: just anything? that's on your mind. I mean, check us out. We're probably coming to an airport or home near you. Um, and please uh, feel free to reach out and give me direct feedback because I, I really do love it. And then our next chef collab is launching in April. So it's a big one and we're very oh, excited. Oh, the
0: one that you can't tell us about? We're yeah. going to have to check your website. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that'll be great. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on the Future food cast today. We have loved having you and the information is really, really interesting. So thank
1: you so much. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry.